Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We should get back into the whole Supreme Court packing story. What the latest is on that again this hour. It's pretty interesting. Plus, I have a report on the first day of the trial of that uh, Marine Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, who was demanding publicly there be accountability from his superiors for the screw-ups in Afghanistan. How that trial is going, it's pretty interesting. Bill Clinton is in the hospital in SoCal with an infection. I can only assume it's chlamydia or something worse. Wow, that is really irresponsible. Given his lifestyle. I'm sorry you had to hear that, folks. Really irresponsible. Bill Clinton has an infection. Come on. Jeffrey Epstein, Private Island, etc. Come on. The math checks. Exactly. It's not a way to practice medicine. Monica Lewinsky, that weather gal from Arkansas. We know the stories. Come on. Exactly. I'm not sure he still has it in him. He's got yeah, some not sort the of most robust looking old son of a gun. He's got some sort of stage four gonorrhea going. Wow. They'll give him a couple of what? shots and he'll be out and and, uh, and and jumping on women in no time. Stage four. Yikes. <laughs> Which you is gotta, the worst stage, I'm told. You got to nip that stuff in the bud. Oh, absolutely. So we haven't got. Oh, you know what? Before we get into that, Michael, just give me clip number two again. I just want everybody to hear this. They're going to help kick this thing off. All right, guys, ready? In three, two, one. Drivers, start your engines. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. Come the on. The new catchphrase. So funny. So <laughs> hilarious. Get yourself a Let's Go, Brandon Armstrong and Getty t-shirt at armstrongandgetty.com. So it's a way to wear a t-shirt that in effect says F. Joe Biden without yes. being as coarse. Yes. Is what it is. Yeah. With the added delight of it being such a dopey euphemism because i have seen people tweeting various things political stories and then at the end of it saying let's go brandon yeah which is a nice way of saying f joe biden right come on man <laughs> you know <laughs> I, might have, I might have to get one of those oh i know it's just so funny because when you make eye contact with somebody there at the home depot and they kind of hey good shirt yeah i know huh? we're all yeah, you fist bump and <laughs> yes <laughs> same team <laughs> So we haven't done this story yet. We could have done it several days ago. It's been getting a lot of traction. <clears throat> maybe you've heard it. Maybe you haven't. The latest ridiculous controversy at L- Yale Law School. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I'm going to go with this version of it because he says it's the most popular thing he's ever tweeted out, this David Latt person who writes for Substack. Yale Law School is the nation's number one law school. Did not know that. Just a few short months ago. They had a controversy that we talked about. We won't get into that. But now, Trap House Gate. Aaron Sibrium broke the news in the Washington Free Beacon earlier this week. Administrators at Yale Law School spent weeks pressuring a student to apologize for a triggering email in which he referred to his apartment as a trap house, a slang term for a place where people buy drugs. I didn't know that term, but I thought it had to do with sex. Well, I'm an old guy. Part of what made the email triggering, the administrators told the student, was his membership in a conservative organization. Oh, God. The second-year law student, a member of both the Native American Law Students Association, because he is of Native American background, and because he was in the conservative Federalist Society, had invited classmates to an event co-hosted by the two groups. So he wanted people that were in the Federalist Society... Kind of dug that and dug the Native American group to come to this 
party, basically. Sounds like an interesting fella. We'll be christening our very own soon-to-be world-renowned trap house by throwing a Constitution Day bash in collaboration with FedSoc, which is a federal society. He wrote in a September 15th email to the Native American um, 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 group online to get out, to get the word out. In mm-hmm. keeping with the theme, he said the mixer would serve American-themed snacks like Popeye's chicken and apple pie. And then they print the whole email here. Uh, within minutes, the lighthearted invite had been screenshotted and shared to an online forum for all second-year law students, several of whom alleged that the term trap house indicated a blackface party. I guess ce- what? I know. I guess celebrating whiteness wasn't enough, the president of the Black Law Students Association wrote in the forum. Keeping in mind, this is the top law school in the nation. So the black law student president immediately reacts... I guess celebrating whiteness wasn't enough. Y'all had to upgrade to cosplay and blackface. What the hell? She also objected to the mixer's affiliation with the Federalist Society, which she said has historically supported anti-black rhetoric. Blackface? Did I miss something? Says the author of this story. Twelve hours after the email went out, the sender was summoned to the law school's Office of Student Affairs, where Associate Dean Ellen Cosgrove and Diversity Director Yassine Eldick the diversity director. Well, you get yeah. called to a meeting and the diversity director is there, you realize you're in a heap and help of trouble, whether it makes sense or not. They informed the original Native American guy, who's a member of the Federalist Society, who sent out the email, wanted to have, all he wanted to do was have a party with his friends, um, informed him that he they had received no fewer than nine discrimination and harassment complaints based on his email message. Yeah, because that uh, the the black lady did, did, rallied all her friends to send emails. Please, we all know how this crap works. Well, you said earlier you you thought. Uh, well, okay, I'll just read this. At a September sixteenth meeting, which the student recorded and shared with the Washington Free Beacon, Associate Dean Ellen Cosgrove and Diversity Director Yasin Eldick told the student that the word "trap" connotes crack use, hip hop, and blackface. Those triggering associations, said the Diversity Director, were compounded by the fried chicken reference which is often used to undermine arguments that structural and systemic racism has contributed to a racial health disparity in the United States. Uh, Point of order, uh, Madam Chairwoman, uh, Jack and I, who are fat, middle-aged white guys, were talking about fried chicken for like 10 minutes yesterday (laughs) because we really like to eat it. Again, in the invite, he said, in keeping with the American theme, we're going to have fried chicken and apple pie. But no, the trap house, which denotes blackface, what are you talking about? (laughs) Wow, these people... If they were not so dangerous, would be hilarious. The email's association with the Federal Society was very triggering for students who already feel like FedSoc belongs to political affiliations that are oppressive to certain communities. Well, they're wrong and they're stupid, which ain't my problem, said the diversity director there at Yale. That As of, are you, by the way, madam. That, that, of course, obviously includes the LBGTQIA community and black communities and immigrant communities. So all of a sudden... LBGD, LGBT, 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 LGBTQ2 plus. So all of a sudden, how are bisexuals getting triggered now? I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble following the thread here. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere, having brought in the black thing for no particular reason, and now they've sucked in the whole gay community thing into this. Con- supposed controversy. Great, Scott. Some have expressed skepticism toward the free beacon given its conservative orientation, but you don't need to rely exclusively on its account since the conversation was recorded and you can listen to yourself and have actually listened to the conversation and it's stunning when you do. Oh, can we post that at armstrongandgetty.com? Yeah, I'll have to dig that up. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
This particular episode is causing me to stick my head out of my foxhole, having not talked that much about cancel culture, says the person who wrote this particular article. First, it involves my alma mater, Yale Law School, where recent events, including not just its incident about Dinnergate, Dinner Party Gate, which I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago, have made me worried about the state of intellectual freedom at the school. Second, there's a point where these things have gone too far, gotten too absurd, and I fear we might even reach the point at Yale Law School where we're just into la-la land. Too late. Um, Let's do a close reading of the Trap House email, starting with the term Trap House, which seems to be the, uh, the beginning of the offense. Taking the term by itself, most folks these days would associate with the popular podcast Chapo Trap House, which I hadn't heard of any of this stuff. I guess you've got to be college age to understand it. Hey, by the way, I should probably throw this in right now. My uh, recently graduated from college daughter and her th- three roommates referred to their rented place as the trap house. Right. It's a party place. Right. Uh, placing the term in the context of a party invitation like this email, most readers would think of beer. Uh, once associated with inner crack dens, however, trap houses also become generic slang for any place where young people can score beer. Okay, well, if it has become a generic term for any place you can drink beer, you don't get to go to its original uh, form of crack house and just assume this guy was calling his place a crack house? I don't even know. What, Therefore, denigrating black people? I mean, it's both a stretch and uh, a non sequitur. I mean, you've got to go like a couple levels beyond just saying crack house. Oh, I assume that means crack, or I'm sorry, trap house. That means crack. Crack uh, done by black people. Uh, so they must be thinking black people are stupid. Oh, and they're probably wearing blackface and all. I mean, it's it's like the fever dreams of somebody with uh, psychotic paranoia. Now, someone could write an erudite, historically informed analysis arguing for why trap house should be considered offensive. But if you have to write a mini dissertation on why something should be seen as offensive or deliver a 20-minute speech, as Eldrick did in the audio, 20 Ugh. minutes explaining the background of Trap House Ugh. and why it's offensive, then it's probably not offensive. Turning to the rest of the email, sometimes Popeye's chicken, note the email refers to Popeye's chicken, not fried chicken, is just Popeye's chicken. The sender was simply describing the food that will be available at the party. Can we no longer serve Popeye's chicken at events for fear that mentioning this delicious food in an invitation might be triggering? (laughs) Oh my gosh, can you imagine Popeye's chicken reacting to this? Oh, we make chicken for everybody. It's really good chicken. If you want to eat our chicken, eat our chicken. You're not being a racist. And I... I think, I think Popeye's chicken is pretty popular with black folks, from what I understand. But anyway, I love Popeye's chicken. I like Trap House. It's practically blackface to serve Popeye's chicken. Yes, I'm aware of the fraught history of fried chicken and racist stereotyping of blacks, but remember the event at issue had nothing to do with black students, and the invitation, while open to them, was not targeted at them. The event was a Constitution Day mixer co-sponsored by the Native American Law Students Association and the Federalist Society, where they happened to be serving Popeye's Popeye's food. The last time I checked, there's no stereotype associating, uh, associating Native Americans with Popeye's. <laughs> uh, regarding the use of the B word in the email, I can't. It can't fairly be construed in context as misogynist. Oh, that, that's right. They used the the term uh, a bitch in there at some biatches. Point. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. It was a self-deprecating description of the fairly pedestrian. Um, uh, food on offer um, uh, was using the phrase impolitic, impolitic and ill-advised. Maybe would I have used it? Maybe not. But that doesn't make it discriminatory or harassing. And he goes on with, you know, 
with the rest of through the email, and we can post this at armstrongandgetty.com. But this kid has been asked to apologize, and uh, with the idea, you know, always the threat lingering in the background that you're going to get kicked out of the best law school in the country if you don't go along and apologize. This is the Armstrong and Getty perfect case of something that is horrifarious. It is horrifying, and it is hilarious. It is astonishing that this writer, who is quite uh, skilled, by the way, has to make these arguments at all. He makes them in hilarious form, and these people are uh, utterly just an Olympian job of beclowning themselves. Okay, But the fact that you need to fight it and that this kid's in trouble is horrifying. God, an insanity has gripped our college campuses. What's to be done about it? I don't know. Just keep fighting it, I guess. Listen for yourself, it says here, and we will post the long 20-minute thing. I listened to part of it. I didn't listen to the whole thing, but listen to the entire recording, says the author here. Pay attention to the tone, the implications, and the insinuations. Eldrick and Cosgrove, that's the two administrators there, administrators there, speak carefully in a way that gives them plausible deniability and makes Yale Law School's artfully worded statement literally true. The overall effect the listener is left with is that the email sender is in trouble with the administration, his misdeeds could have corruption, Career consequences for him. Oh, that's right. They they say you're never going to get hired, even if you get if you even if you get to stay here. And if he knows what's best for him, he will apologize. Wow. Yeah, wow. they they go through a long rant. I did hear this about. And now people that have this sort of background will find it difficult to get into various law firms. I can cite an example of blah 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 blah. So you know, not only threatening your college education, but your future uh, prospects for making a living. There's more to be said about this, but we really, really need to How take a break. How crazy is all this? Fully. <laughs> Fully turgid with craziness. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Everything woke turns to sh- Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So we've been telling you this tale, and we have linked the audio for you in the story about this uh, Yale Law School student who happens to be from the um, Cherokee Indian tribe. Uh, so he's part of a, a Native American group there at Yale Law, and he's also a member of the Federalist Society because he's a conservative. And he invited a bunch of people to a party combining the two groups, and he's in severe trouble with the, the with the the university uh, because some people were triggered by the fact that he was going to serve Popeye's chicken at the party. And that he referred to their party place as a trap house, which I guess is a common term for a party place. Right. But yes. the college claims it's a term for drug dens, and the fact that you're serving chicken means that you are mocking black people. Or I mean, they, they've they just completely constructed a controversy where none exists. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is all a fantasy. And the 20-minute uh, audio, which I've listened to some of, is them explaining to him the damage he has done, the physical harm that he has caused some students that's the whole yeah speech is violence and violence is speech and how he must apologize because as they say in the audio the loss the law community is very small in this country and this could have an effect on your career going forward i mean so lots of uh, threat 
threats about how he needs to apologize, which so far they're he trying hasn't. to terrorize him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and he shouldn't. And and by golly, I hope there's a conservative uh, law firm out there that'll hire him the minute he's available. I'd actually like to talk to the young man. He's a, a Native American who's uh, notably conservative. I have a feeling it's because he's seen the horrors of government dependence and knows what it does to people's souls and their communities. You know, I'm struck in listening to this story by, uh, you know, how related it is to our conversation about David Shore, that Democratic pollster, who is pointing out to the Democratic Party, y'all are, you're emphasizing issues and views that are held by a very small minority of people. The super woke, social major, affluent white woman crowd. And, and all of your working class non-white people, they don't agree with this stuff. Well, that very small cabal of people, though, now runs our universities and our law schools, and to a large extent, our teachers' colleges and our elementary schools, our high schools. Um, and, and that's scary. And, you know, I'm, I would like to be able to suggest a more effective way of fighting it, but, you know, just keep your eye on it. Keep showing up to school board meetings. Give to FIRE, the Foundation for Individual Rights and in Education, or Campus Watch or something like that. I support them. You should, too. It's worth pointing out that the Federal Society, which being a member of is what got him in trouble, was founded by Yale Law School students in 1982 and is one of the most influential legal groups in the country. And it's in campuses all over and has been considered just relatively mainstream forever. But now, all of a sudden, being a member of it at all gets you in this kind of trouble. Armstrong and Getty. Yo, yo, yo. That's my catchphrase, you know. It's not quite as hot as the Let's Go Brandon thing, but uh, (laughs) hang in there. Boy, the uh, Armstrong and Getty Let's Go Brandon t-shirts flying off the shelves. Armstrongandgetty.com. Order now in time for Christmas. Let's go, Brandon. That's right. I want to throw this out, uh, whether you're Prince William... Or uh, just a regular person that's angered. Uh, who said? It? Who else said it the other day? Oh, oh that, that uh, professor on uh, Morning Joe. And, and now we're okay. sending ninety-year-old actors into space when we've got people that are so poor they need to steal from a Walgreens. All right, uh, I won't even get into that part. But do you realize the the whole point of the mission wasn't to get William Shatner up in the air? <laughs> <laughs> My guess is they were going to launch a rocket anywho. They just thought, hey, wouldn't it be cool to send Captain Kirk into space? They're continuing to send rockets into space to try to perfect them for a variety of reasons. Elon Musk is uh, hell-bent on trying to get us to Mars. I'm not exactly sure what um, uh, Bezos's thing is, if maybe he just wants to do space tourism. But, but either way, the point wasn't getting William Shatner into space. So quit acting like... It's just so ridiculous that we spent sent a 90-year-old. They were going to send a rocket ship up there anyway. Yeah, they're rocketry companies. They're advertising. Shut up. Right. Ay, ay, yeah. Jeff Bezos sitting around rubbing his chin, singing the Jeffrey Bezos song to himself. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Bezos. Thinking, wow, do I spend the money to send Captain Kirk to the edge of space, or do I... Donate it to starving, unwed mothers of immigrant children. I just, I can't decide. I'll flip a coin. Yep, 
Captain Kirk it is. <laughs> so in 1958, they would have been said, and, and now we're sending dogs into space or monkeys into space. They were sent a monkey into space to try to perfect it enough to send a man into space so that we could get to the moon. That, that, you morons. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So dumb. So dumb. Uh, coming up, I want to talk about the trial of Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller of the Marine Corps. He's the guy who who demanded accountability from his superiors and is getting drummed out of the Corps for it. Uh, but speaking of dumb ideas, the court-packing idea that uh, was so hot, was it last summer when Donald J. appointed the third justice in his single term and the lefty America wet its pants? You know, in their defense, if that had happened the other way, I might be a wet in mine. Three more, you know, what's her face? Is uh, Lena Kagan's on the court. Yikes, my nightmare. Uh, but anyway, uh, so it was suggested. We need to, uh, just as soon as we get the White House, we need to, I don't know, add three more justices so we have the edge, or maybe six, I don't know. I mean, you can't help but find it hilarious if you lean right that when for the first time in 60 years, the court clearly leans right, now, all of a sudden, you got to change it dramatically. It's been dominated by the left my entire life. That was just fine. But <laughs> once it starts leaning right, you got to upend the whole thing. Okay. Yeah, it's a national disaster, and we need to tear up the institutions that I thought Donald Trump was threatening. So odd. Anyway, so uh, old man Joe Biden, and this was a pretty good idea. He, knowing it was idiotic, said, I'll tell you what I'll do. Get a, get a craft car. <laughs> Shake it, shake it, shake it. What's the Keta Keta Calf Car? What's that? Which that one we like there, Michael? The well, bad Calf Car. That's the one. That's what he said. So he followed <laughs> that up with saying, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's what I'll do. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll uh, appoint a commission. They'll study the idea. That's such a good idea. Back in the court. Yeah, yeah. We'll have a commission. We'll report back in I don't know six months or so. <laughs> so anyway, the commission came back and and as if they're reading a transcript of the Armstrong and Getty show and any other reasonable observer said, yeah, there are reasons to doubt the court expansion would produce benefits in terms of diversity or efficiency, uh, unlikely to achieve balance. Uh, instead, let's try something else. Um, essentially, they said, it's not going to help. It's a terrible idea. They pointed out the obvious um, that we pointed out and others that, uh, okay, so if you let the Democrats, the lefties, expand the court by three more people just so they have a majority, what do you suppose? And I'll give you a minute to think about it. <laughs> what do you suppose the Republicans are going to do the minute they have power? Well, that that seems pretty clearly stupid, and I think most reasonable people realize that just adding members is not going to work, because where does it end? Uh, did they get into it all the idea, which seems like a pretty good idea to me, is some sort of limit, like a 25-year limit or whatever, and, and, and you get it rotating, and every president gets a certain number of nominations. Because you got to admit, I think, that the randomness of it, where if just by, you know, a roll of the dice, you have enough old people die in one term, you get one president's view that gets to dominate the court for the next 40 years. It does seem odd. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have no problem with that. You know, I have not read the commission report. I've just read characterizations of it. Uh, that is an excellent question. I know they thought, uh, look, maybe we rotate people in and out of the uh, the uh, circuit courts. You get a five-year term on the Supreme Court, then you go back to whatever circuit court. Somebody from a different circuit court fills your seat, and we, you know, we, we handle it that way. There are constitutional questions about that, but I'm out of my depth trying to analyze that part of it. I'd have to talk to Tim Sandifer or somebody like that. Are, do, do the nine that end up on the Supreme Court, are they so far superior 
legal minds to the average circuit court justice that that's a bad idea? I think they're probably in like your top thirty percent. I don't. Are, are they in the top thirty percent or the top three percent? I don't know that. I don't know that either. That's an interesting question. I doubt there are a lot of like outright drooling morons. Um, but you know. <laughs> But there, but there certainly are some courts that end up, you know, like the famous Ninth Circuit in, uh, in California, just, you know, that get overturned more often than not. They're so out of whack. You don't want those people rotating in and out of the Supreme Court. You know, I am uh, I'm scrolling through. Uh, drooling morons. You got to be pretty, pretty stupid to just drool on yourself like you can't I, even close your mouth. Yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah, your, your mental f- faculties are not there. Um, okay, there's more analysis. This is 46 pages long. You know, I'll dig into it and I'll try to come up with an answer for that question, uh, next segment. Uh, but I want to tell you this about, uh, Marine Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. He is the guy, and if I was not a dope, I would have had the guys get the tape of his video where he said, look, the Afghanistan evacuation got screwed up. Nobody is taking accountability. For this, nobody is saying, here's what went wrong and why and who messed up. The military is all about a culture of accountability. We must always have accountability. And I am not seeing it above me. I demand it below me. I'm not seeing it above me. What's up with that? Now, it's possible to be righteous and correct and still run afoul of military rules. I'm not talking about the uniform, uniform code of justice here. I'm talking about, you know, whether he was right or not. I think he was right. But um, his trial began at Camp Lejeune a couple of days ago. Um, And uh, let's see. Earlier in the day, Scheller had pleaded guilty to all charges against him as part of a plea agreement with the Corps, which will conclude a saga that began when he talked to social media in August. Um, to demand accountability from senior leaders. He was convicted of violating Article 88, contempt toward officials, 89, disrespect toward superior commissioned officers. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Article 90, willfully disobeying a superior commissioned officer. Article 92, dereliction in the performance of duties. A couple other charges and uh, 27 specifications of Article 133, conduct becoming an officer and a gentleman. I got to tell you, if Trump had won... And we got out of Afghanistan and it went as badly, which it might have gone close to as badly, maybe in different ways. But it was going to be ugly no matter what. A guy like this would be a household name. The 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 Washington Post and the cable news channels would make this guy a household name for challenging those above him uh, who led to a disaster if Trump had been president. But because, yeah, he, because he probably not. would have uh, yeah, gotten his own show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there's just a little bit more to this story. Um, although the agreement set a maximum punishment of forfeiting two-thirds of his pay for 12 months, during the afternoon portion of the sentencing hearing, prosecutors asked that he forfeit $5,000 monthly for six months. Okay, so essentially a $30,000 fine. He will also receive a punitive letter of reprimand, resign his commission, and receive an honorable discharge or general under honorable conditions as part of the agreement, as long as the Navy secretary doesn't freak out and say, no, I can't accept that. So he's being allowed to retire, essentially, honorably, with benefits after paying a fine. 
I think that is a message by the prosecutors. I think it's more than a plea deal. Hmm. I think it's a nod to the fact that this dude is right, and we don't want to be fighting this. If he's willing to plead out, we'll take it. We're not going to try to nail this guy because it's just uncomfortable. And by the way, that $30,000 fine, Scheller has raised more than $2.5 million through controversial former Navy SEAL Eddie Gallagher's Pipeter Foundation. That money, according to the foundation's website, is to be used not only for his legal defense, but also emergency relief funds, relocation expenses, and transition out of the military, possible loss of military benefits in retirement, and family support for his wife and three children. In other words, it's just a slush fund. So he's going to be okay. Yeah, it sounds like it. I'm curious to hear what he has to say next once he's out of the core. That's an interesting twist in the modern world, that if you get screwed by the world, or sometimes you don't have it coming, but in this case, I think he does. Uh, there's, a, there's a mechanism for getting a whole bunch of money to you. That didn't exist pre-internet. Oh, by the way, during the trial, that's an excellent point, and now this guy is wealthy by most standards. Um, during the trial, he backed down not an inch. He says, I believe fundamental fundamental change needs to occur in the military. I'm being held accountable for my actions. The general officers should be held accountable for their failures. So I don't. I think this guy's an honorable guy, and I think he's a teller of truth. Let's keep an eye on it. There's another uh, level of podcaster Joe Rogan blasting CNN for lying about the fact that he was taking horse pills. Yes. There's another wrinkle in that story. Plus, how many judges does the Chilean Supreme Court have? It's part of the report I'm paging through here. It's 10. Don't stay tuned for that. It's, it's 10. <laughs> Apparently, Major League Baseball really, really wanted Dodgers. Uh, they probably want Dodgers Red Sox, right? They don't hate it. Although San Francisco's a giant market, sure. too. Yeah. Yeah. Denmark has 18 <laughs> justices. Can you imagine? You got to run a freaking church hall for a courtroom here. You're right. Huh? You're right. I wouldn't stay tuned for that information. <laughs> um, our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We're going to try to squeeze in a a little um, montage compilation of Joe Rogan, the podcaster, going back and forth with uh, cable news hosts claiming that he took horse medicine to fight his COVID because, you know, he called out CNN the other day for lying about what he did, and they still have not uh, uh, admitted to that or apologized or anything. Right, right. Lion liars. This is. Did you realize this is kind of caught on as a meme on our Twitter? Your 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 phrase, lying liars and the lies they lie. Yes. Well, I am a wordsmith. That's a good one. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is there money in that or anything? Probably not. Uh. So. Uh. Yeah. Hanson, if you can turn that around, just interrupt us and and we'll dive into it because it's sure to be entertaining. One more quick note about uh, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, the Marine who spoke out. The judge, in giving him a very light uh, punishment, much lighter than it could have been, noted Scheller's 17-year Marine career, saying prior to the social media calling out his superiors, he was an officer with an outstanding record, uh, a record he said he weighed heavily. So, okay, okay. 
They didn't bury it. They didn't silence the guy. He spoke out. I think the the I think there's a lot of sympathy for his view in the core. So Italy has got the strictest rules now for any country in the world. Um, as everybody's got to get the vaccine, or you have the option, as Joe Biden was talking about, of getting tested regularly. Italy, Italy is requiring all workers to be vaccinated or take frequent coronavirus tests, the most sweeping mandate yet by a major Western democracy. The or part often gets left out of these conversations. You don't have to get the vaccine if you're willing to get tested frequently. So there is a way out, and you get to keep your job. But um, we'll see if that catches on. But as far as, as far as our mandate, which is still crawling its way toward being something... TSA, which, of course, is federal employees, say 40% of the workforce is unvaccinated with a a supposed deadline coming up. So are you going to have nearly half of the TSA get fired because they don't want to take the vaccine? vaccine? Right in time for Thanksgiving and Christmas travel, close to half the TSA is going to get fired? I don't think so. Yeah, wow. That would be crazy. They got some serious leverage. I was just seeing where the Navy has announced uh, that they're going to drum anybody out who doesn't get vaccinated by, I think it's November 14th, December for reservists. I tell you what, if, if that's a significant number of people, wait a minute, can we take that shot to our, our, our Navy at this point? Uh, I've heard, what do you know about mixing and matching uh, doses? I, I, I heard the other day the CDC says, yeah, you can do that. You, you get the Pfizer before, get the Moderna booster or vice versa. You mm-hmm. can do that, huh? Yeah, apparently. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know enough about it to comment with any intelligence, honestly. But Neither do I. For some reason, I just assume you wouldn't be able to do that. You're provoking an immune response. Uh, by hook or by crook. The one's hook, the other one's crook. Yeah, it's fine, okay. I guess. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to get a booster when I can, I think. Oh, I mentioned this off the air to the fellas, but our, our dog sitter, who's... Uh, uh, a very healthy young woman, she's in her early 20s, has got the vid. She says she's the sickest she's ever been. Ooh. Yeah, I know it. And I didn't ask healthy whether she was young. vaccinated. I just I didn't feel like it. Healthy and young and sick. Yeah. Yeah. So, my, uh, you know, I'm not going to reveal too much, but uh, a doctor friend of mine and I were trying to convince her that it's safe and a good idea. Uh, I think she probably just, being young and healthy, didn't bother. Yeah, but, which I'm not sure I would have in my 20s. Rooting for a wonderful kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally sympathize with that. I don't, and, and that's why I wasn't going to ask. I'm curious, just for medical reasons, and and because of the job I do. But of course, in my twenties, also the sickest I've ever been would not be that sick because I hadn't. Most people aren't, don't get that sick leading up to their through the. Yeah, that's a good point. Unless they're terribly unlu- unlucky. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the sickest I ever was. I was. I think I was in my thirties. I was probably a thirty four, thirty five. Had a couple little kids. And I had a fever that went up to like 104, 105, and I realized, oh, this is what it feels like to die. You don't have any strength or will to resist it. And I thought, son of a gun. And they brought the fever down, and here I am, boring you today. God bless American medical science. Well, how how much time have we got left in the show, Michael? Uh, just two minutes right now. Well, let's just get to it. We won't we won't hear Did the it? whole thing, but let's hear it. This will take us to the end of this hour. But listen to how this sounds. Roll it. From, it blows my mind that Joe Rogan just yesterday admitted to taking ivermectin. Ivermectin is something more often used to deworm horses. CNN is saying I'm taking horse dewormer. Rogan telling his 13 million Instagram followers that he was treated with several drugs, and he included ivermectin on the list, a drug used for 
livestock. Rogan said the word ivermectin, yes, that's the deworming medicine made to kill parasites and farm animals. Why would they lie and say that's horse dewormer? So things are clearly bad, but they're being made even worse by people who have refused to take the vaccine and instead are swallowing horse paste. But wait, 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 wait a second. He, he said that he got better because he ate he said cattle he's been, dewormer. He, they must know that that's a lie. You have individuals like Joe Rogan, for example, who, uh, who don't want to take an experimental vaccine but will take horse dewormer. Well, well, well. well if well, it is well. an old horseworm Rogan. <laughs> Ivermectin is often used to deworm livestock. Ivermectin apparently given to deworm animals. It's a lie on a news network, it, and it's it, a lie that's a witch. Feeling that's that's a lie that they're conscious of. It's not a mistake. Yeah, they're unfavorably framing it as veterinary medicine. Joe Rogan, uh, he came down with COVID. He says he says he's been taking the uh, livestock dewormer uh, ivermectin. They lied what and they said say? I was taking horse dewormer. Okay, let's get off there so we have a little time to comment. So you're hearing all the examples on CNN, MSNBC, and other cable news channels about Joe Rogan, the podcaster, taking the horse pace, the dewormer. Joe, do you believe that they didn't know? I don't think they knew. I don't think they did enough research, and nobody on their show was mentioned to them, hey, yeah, it happens to be a drug for humans, primarily, that they prescribe all the time. Right, they're not curious people, they're newsreaders. I think most of them were ignorant. Some of them might have been lying, but most just ignorant. Hey, if you ever miss a chunk of the Armstrong and Getty show, go to armstrongandgetty.com. We've got the, the Let's Go Brandon t-shirts for you. Armstrong and Getty.